Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm... What the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What is up, everybody? The New Jersey weekend was awesome. I had an awesome time there, even though Michael was snoring all night, both nights, all three nights, and I didn't sleep worth the crap. Still went out, had a good race both days. My girlfriend got her first age group podium, and I was so proud of her. I almost like kind of hung back and ran with her on Sunday. And if I would have done that, we probably would have goofed around and, you know, she might not have done as good as she did. So I'm glad I decided to take out Sunday competitively so she could run her own race. And uh, there were so many people at this race that I knew. And I met a bunch of the listeners there from the podcast And it was just a great time. It was a great weekend with a bunch of great friends. I saw so many people out on course during the ultra. It was so helpful. You know, when you're out there just grinding and you're hurting and, you know, you know, demons are getting in your head. When you see somebody out there that's just a friendly face and you get to talk to them and it just, oh, it helps so much. And I want to thank Molly and Josh Chase because I got hugs from both of them. They were doing their beast lap, and it helped tremendously. And it's just stuff like that that just helps you push through on those ultra races. And I like every time I do an ultra race, every single person I run by, I try to say good job, you know, or keep pushing. We're almost there, you know, because it helps. It helps. It helps me get out of my frame of mind. Uh, talking to somebody else and I hope that when I talk to somebody else it helps them get out of whatever frame of mind they're in whether it might be you know negative thinking you know or whatever and uh, it helps me and uh, I was really happy to see my buddy Les Cowan out there and when I found out later that this was his first ultra I knew then I was like I gotta ask him to come on for an interview because that's that's a really hard venue to do your first ultra at and he did really well so i thought it would be great to bring him on and just go over how his whole ultra experience went and here is the interview with les cowan les cowan what is going on today brother quite a bit man been working all day did a mountain run um now i'm talking to you with a fit aid (laughs) sitting here drinking a fit aid and uh Actually, I have another appointment after this call, so busy day. Oh, shoot. You got another podcast interview you're doing today? <laughs> yeah, you know, that when you finish 11th and Elite, all of a sudden everybody's calling you, you know what I mean? <laughs> Autographs and all that. <laughs> um, 
So, Les, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, I know you live in Colorado and you own your own business, but like, how old are you? You know, what what city you live in and what you do for a living? Yeah, so um, I'm uh, how old am I? I'm 45. I'll, I'll be 46. I'll be yeah. You know, you're getting old when you can't remember how old you are. I know. I always um, question mine too. <laughs> I'll be 46 in a few weeks. So, uh, I live just outside of Denver, basically, uh, I'm a Northeast suburb of Denver. Um, kind of out here on the plains, really. I don't live in the mountains, even though I run the mountains a lot. Uh, if you know where DIA is, I live about 30 minute drive West of DIA and DIA is out in the, in the plains like Kansas, basically. Right. Um, so, that's where I live. Um, I am married to my, uh, high school sweetheart. We got married back in, um, 96. Oh, wow. And we were, we were together for the last two, three years of high school. So we've been together a long time. Um, I've got two kids that are grown. I've got two grandkids and one on the way. Um, we do own our own lawn care company. We take care of about 500 homes. Wow. Up here in the North, North Denver metro area. Uh, we basically do like yearly um, lawn care service plans for those 500 homes. We mow, spray weeds, fertilize, all that, Let's take care of their sprinkler systems. So it keeps us pretty busy. We've got about 15 people working for our company. So how many, tr- how many trucks and crews is that? Yeah, so we'll have five to six crews go out each day. Oh, and wow. then we have... And then we have full-time in the office. We have my wife, an office manager, and then my daughter-in-law also works in the office. So, And then I kind of do a little bit of everything, just kind of go where I'm needed. I try to avoid the office as much as possible. I'm so, sure. But, yeah. Well, lawn care is about like endurance uh, training in itself, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, so, you know, Bracken's my coach, and um, we talked about that. Cause I, I wanted to do an ultra last year. I wanted to do the Ohio ultra. I think it was in June. Yeah. And, uh, I had plantar fasciitis the entire year. So I had to cancel that. I did do some racing. I did quite a bit actually. I just didn't want to do that one. It was a little too long for being injured. Um, but Bracken and I talked about, I might be okay at them because of the fact that, you know, if I can go out and do lawn, work on lawns for eight to 10 hours a day, that's kind of similar to an ultra. Yeah. Being on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's maybe that's, you know, helping a bit. So in your experience of lawn care, what yeah. to you is like the best brand zero turn to buy? <laughs> uh, Walker. Hands down, hands down is the Walker, but that's for maybe a different use than you're talking about. Um, Cause a Walker mower, do you, are you familiar with them? No, I was about to ask you. Yeah, so they're they're made here in Colorado, but they sell them worldwide. Um, it's a little yellow mower with a deck on the front, and it catches grass behind your seat. But it has this almost like vacuum system that gets the grass to the hopper in the back, and it stripes super nice. So it's for it's for manicured lawns. Like if you want them to look like a baseball field, you mow with a walker oh, I mean, it's, I it doesn't have it doesn't have a roller on or anything but it stripes really nice and it cleans up the clippings nice and then in the fall we chop up leaves with it and it basically 
mulches them really small and you can pack a bunch of them in that hopper and dump them. Uh, so that for me, that's the best one. Yeah. I like that. Right. I know most people around here use either Gravely's or X marks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are both, both good. Um, X mark, I think is a Toro brand basically. Yeah. Um, so we use for our smaller mowers, we use the Toro 30 inch walk behinds that they're basically residential mowers, but right. we, we mow in one day, a year's worth of mowing for that mower, but <laughs> we use them for like two years. They're good mowers. So if you're, if you're a homeowner and you're looking for a good mower for your personal lawn, the 30 inch Toro residential uh, mower is it's awesome too. It's, and it's also nine inches wider than a 21 inch typical mower. So you're going to knock out nine inches of grass each pass more than you would. So you got less time mowing. Yeah. I'm in the market. I need to get a new one cause I'm still using a, a long tractor and I want to get a zero turn just for some effortless cutting. You know. Oh, there you go, man. Is it for your lawn or is it weedy or what? Uh, it's just for, just for my lawn and, and I'm lazy. I hate doing yard work. I'm, I don't have that passion, <laughs> that passion gene that you have. Like, so <laughs> yeah. literally dude, when I got divorced, you know, my, my ex-wife had planted all these flower beds around the house. And, yeah. we, and we got divorced, dude. I dug every single one of them up so I wouldn't have to put, you know, <laughs> like keep the beds up. Yeah. You know, I would all I, and I don't like weed eating. So now I just go around right up against uh -huh. the edge of the house and just round up enough to where I can get close enough to the house to cut with a lawnmower. That way I don't have to weed eat. <laughs> there you go. I, hey, I like that. <laughs> People don't care what I their do, yards look like I... in the South. <laughs> Yeah, well, just because I do lawn care doesn't necessarily mean that um, I still like doing the work. I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. But my my own home, I neglect, just like a plumber or an electrician. Um, the only reason it looks really good is because I just hire my crew to do it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go do my yard before y'all knock off today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's on the schedule. <laughs> hey, that's kind of a sweet gig then right there. It is. It's cheap, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up so mm -hmm. so Les tell us like did you before you found OCR did you have like kind of like a background in athletics like did you like play high school sports or is it just something you kind of found in like a, a, a pre-midlife crisis thing <laughs> yeah um I guess I have an, a little bit of a unique story um in in school I did play sports for junior high and part of high school uh basketball and football were my two sports i wouldn't say i i would think i or i would say i had good skills in those sports but i didn't have the mindset to 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 do it very well i grew up with a single mom and didn't really have a dad around to kind of give me a lot of direction on on that side of it you know but mm, i enjoyed playing those what's that me too i was a single mom raised yeah so you know, I feel like if I would have had like that male figure around to, you know, kind of just help you with the mental aspects and teach you some things, you know, it would have helped a lot. But it's okay because I uh, ended up meeting my wife, like I said, and I think that was uh, into my sophomore year, beginning my junior year in high school. And uh, after that, I didn't do any sports. I just worked. I started working at Red Lobster as a seafood place. I don't know if you've heard of it, but. Yeah, we got that chain down here, too. Yeah, so started working there and eating just, all the cheddar biscuits. <laughs> yeah, dude, 
you talk about endurance, man. I, yeah, I did bake those for a while. Those things are good. I still like them. But yeah, um, endurance. I for the summertime, I did uh, food production in the back, and they put me on the the shrimp splitter and peeler, and so I would literally have buckets of shrimp, and that's all I do for eight hours. Is I put them one at a time through the splitter. And then once you split all of them, then you peel the shell off of all of them, and then they go to the people who actually get them ready to cook. Right. So that's a that's an endurance sport in itself. I think I'd rather peel them. potatoes than do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was not fun. So, anyways, um, so that was my extent of my athletic career. Really, um, I just worked a lot. I started a. Uh, working at the city of Thornton out here in the parks department. That's how I learned how to do all this stuff. Um, 11 years into that, I started my own business and I did both of them for five years. Wow. Uh, so nights and weekends, I would do my lawn business. And then during the day, I would, uh, weekdays, I would work at that job. And then I also towed portable stages around the country. So I had like three jobs for a while. Um, and so with the lawn business, I quit the city in 2010, went full-time with my lawn business, and um, I thought I would have more time on my hands at that point, but that's <laughs> definitely not what happened. Um, my lawn business just got bigger and bigger. I was hiring people, and uh, pretty stressful, you know, to learn how to do all that and run a business like that and do all the work and not only the field work, but then I'd come home at night and do all the office work. Right. And my, my wife would help with some of that stuff too, but she did more, you know, she does a lot of the HR stuff and everything and the book work and all that. And I'm talking about customer work and getting new customers and doing bids and all that. So anyways, um, this is kind of leading up to what got me into OCR. Um, when you do lawn work every day, you're doing physical activity every single day and you're out and about. And for a long time, I could eat anything that I wanted to, and it wouldn't affect my health the way I felt or anything or gain weight. Right. But once, once I hit my mid thirties, um, I started to gain a little weight. Um, and then I just started to feel bad. I started to feel awful. So it, it was starting to, it was getting to the point where I would get headaches every day at lunchtime oh, man. and like really, really bad, like migraine type headaches um, and this went on for a long time and I, I should have probably went in sooner, but I just didn't, you know, I didn't really know what was causing it, but I finally went into the doctor once after I got back from a trip to Arizona, I would say things kind of peaked while I was out there, um, on a vacation. Um, I came back home. I was out there by myself. I flew back in. My wife picked me up and she's like, you look terrible. <laughs> you don't, you know, you're not looking good. And I'm like, I don't feel good. And so the next day we went to the, to the doctor and got, I got checked out and my blood pressure was like 170 over 110. Wow. Which is super high. That's like stroke level high. Um, so, and I was only, I don't know, 35 or so. That's scary. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so once I found that out, I had to go to the cardiologist and get checked out. They checked my heart and everything and, Everything else looked good. I just had high blood pressure. But my diet consisted of smothered burritos, hot wings every Sunday, you know, 
food out all the time. Just I love Mexican food and hot wings. Like me too. I was eating that stuff all the time. Yeah, it's great, man. It's but, the best. So um, they put me on blood pressure medication, and I have a low heart rate, a low resting heart rate normally. So they only had a few options to give me. Um, and I remember going into the nurses uh, or the emergency room once and we were talking about my blood pressure medication. I was on lisinopril, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. But one of the nurses told me, cause I asked him how long I was going to be on that medication. And he's like, Oh, you'd be on it for the rest of your life. And I'm like, what? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not if I can do something about it. So, you know, at this point I'm, I'm like 190, 195 pounds and just not in very good shape and sick kind of with this high blood pressure. So I didn't want to be on blood pressure medication for the rest of my life. So I started running and eating better. The eating better part still needs work, but I do eat a lot better than I used to just because I don't feel good if I don't. Right. Um, so I started running, just kind of jogging, you know, a couple miles here and there. And one of uh, my son's friends signed up for a Spartan race down in um, Fort Carson back in 2014. And so he invited my son and, and also me to go do it with him. And we're like, sure, we'll go with you. So we go down there. Uh, it was on a Sunday and it was the sprint and a really short course, but it was pretty muddy. Um, so that was my first race. And I, uh, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't impressive at all. I, I sprained my ankle like a quarter mile in really bad. Um, I couldn't climb the rope. Uh, I, I couldn't do most of the things, honestly. Um, I was just in really bad shape and it destroyed me. Like that little short course, they used to be longer back then. I, I think they were yeah, five, like five, five. Or six, yeah, five miles. Um, but it was, it was tough on me. Like, um, so I really didn't enjoy it. wasn't good at it. And I was out of shape. So I, I remember driving back to Denver from Colorado Springs. Like my mom called me or I called her. I don't remember. Oh, by the way, this is probably going to come out around Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day, mom. If you listen to this. That's right. Happy Mother's other, Day to all yeah, mothers. To all mothers. <laughs> <laughs> and word to your mother. <laughs> Anyways, um, I remember talking to her on the way back and I, I told her I will never do one, one of those again as long as I live. Never. <laughs> so, so I was hands down not going to do it again. But um, I started to think about it you know, after that, after I recovered and I thought, you know what, they have the trifecta thing that they do. And, um, I think I'll try to do that the next year. So that was kind of my goal. So that got me to run and stuff more. It gave me something to, to train for basically and get into better condition. So that's what I did. 2015, I did a trifecta 2016. I did, um, five races, 2017, at the end of 2016, I was watching one of the videos from the um, Elite back when NBC used to cover them. Right. Uh, and they did the the series, uh, the U.S. series. Um, I remember watching, I think it was the Breckenridge race, maybe. But, like, Hunter McIntyre was in the water, and he, like, shoved Ryan Atkins. I, I remember that. That, that was like, Asheville. Was, oh, was that it? That was Asheville, yeah. I remember that. I was at that race. I remember that. So I, 
I was watching those. I was getting all pumped up. You know, I was like, this is a contact sport. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is, this looks like fun. So, um, that got me hyped up to like compete actually at that point, not just go through the courses, but start competing. Um, so I decided that next year I was going to jump into some, into some competitive races. So the first race I did, I think was, uh, I don't know, was it called competitive? It wasn't called age group yet. It was just competitive. Yeah, it was just competitive. So I jumped into that at the first California race in January and I like won my heat and I was like, that was awesome. So, uh, I decided to actually back then you could just sign up for elite and do it. So right. I signed up for elite and did elite that whole year. Um, and I, uh, you know, I typically finish mid pack or towards the bottom two thirds, you know? Um, but yeah, that's how I got into it and that's where it led to. And then I obviously, you know, there's some other stories in there, but that's, that's how it all kind of came together. Yeah, because it looked like you had like almost a hundred races underneath your belt at this point. And yeah, I'm at, at ninety right now. Yeah. So here's my question: Why did you wait so long to do your first ultra, and what made you choose like a t- a tough mountain ultra to be your first one? That's a good question. I <laughs> I've been thinking about ultras for a few years, just kind of looking at them from the outside going, hmm, I wonder if I could do that. Um, I guess I haven't done one. Like last year I was going to do the Ohio one, so that would have been my first one, and it would have actually been a lot easier because it was flat. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I'd thought about it a couple of years previous to that, but I think I was so caught up in the series because I, the 2019, I did the Mountain Series and the United States National Series. Um, I took second in the mountain series behind Jeff Boomhauer. Oh, awesome. He's a stud. Yeah, he's a stud. Um, and then I took third in the U S national series in our age group for, uh, I wasn't second, but then I blew my ankle up in Colorado Springs. Mm. And then that's when I was in second place. So two weeks later was the Utah race, the last one in the series. And my ankle was still, uh, was that a week later or two weeks? I don't remember. It was one or two weeks after I blew my ankle up. Um, and it was a bad, bad sprain. Uh, so I went to, I wasn't going to race Utah. I was going to throw in the series and, and I wouldn't get placed in the series. And I remember I got a message from Cole DeRosa, who's an amazing athlete. Yeah. Uh, just a specimen. Um, but anyways, he sent me a message saying, Hey, Les, you know, I, I know, how important this series is to you. And maybe if you just show up and finish the race, you could still hang on to third place. And I was like, you know, he's right. Like I should still go out there and try that. So I stuck with it. I drove out there, um, on my, and I had like, my ankle was just, it was still like a softball size and everything. Like I could barely walk on it very well, but I went ahead and jumped in that race and I hobbled through it. And I took, I think, 62nd place, which wasn't, that was like halfway through the pack. So I didn't finish last. So I was proud of that. But it was a beast race, too, wasn't it? Um, I think it was a super. Hmm. Pretty sure it was a super. That's a good thing for you then. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, cause it was an hour and a half or so that it took me, I think. Right. 
or maybe hour 40. I don't know. It was a little longer, like 20, 30 minutes longer than it would normally take. So, um, yeah, thankfully it wasn't a beast. Uh, yeah, I took 62nd place, got a little over 600 points and hung on to third that year. So got my two plaques for those things. So I, so I think back then I was just concentrating on doing series races. Right. So the ultra, the ultra stuff didn't really appeal to me until it came to Colorado. I think that's why I wanted to do it last year Mm -hmm. because I kind of mountains are my thing. I love mountains. I do the best in mountains. Uh, big bear is my, favorite place because i've always done well there i've several podiums and a couple wins there um so when i found out that last year they were going to have the ultra world championship in telluride out here i wanted to be part of that and that's why i signed up for the ohio ultra to qualify didn't work out so i went ahead and went to telluride and just did the beast last year and yeah, so that was fun. And, and and last year I had that plantar fasciitis, so my mileage per week was like 15 miles a week of running. And the rest of the time I was working or biking a little bit. So I wasn't in the best of shape last year. But So when they announced this year that the Ultra was going to be at Tahoe, I was like, I have to be part of that because I wasn't able to do it last year. And Tahoe is one of those places that I've done well there and I've DNF there. And it's like such a beast of a place. And they put you through so much at the top with water and everything. And I just love how far it pushes you. So um, I wanted to try out this ultra in New Jersey. Well, I picked New Jersey because the rest of my weekends where there are ultras, I'm racing other races. Right. The, The only other one that would have worked for me would have been Killington. And that's two weeks before the Tahoe Ultra World Championships. There's not enough time to recover Makes sense. properly. And that's probably one of the hardest ultras you can do. Yeah, Killington kicks you in the nuts. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I, I've never even been there, but I've seen some videos and you guys have told me. And I'm like, yeah, I'd probably just be better off doing this New Jersey one. And the New Jersey one was legit, man. That yeah. was a legit course. I would compare, like, New Jersey is a lot like Killington, but uh, Killington has the ability to take you on a longer climb, and the descents are, uh, the, the inclines are a little steeper, the descents are a little bit more technical. But yeah. it's just it's just absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like New Jersey, but add another four four thousand feet of climbing. Like m- my best time, yeah. my best time at New Jersey was this 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 race this past weekend of seven and a half hours. My best time at Killington. My best time at Killington was just a little over ten hours. I mean, wow, Killington. It's it's a rough course, man. It make it makes you question why you signed to, up. That's, <laughs> that's a long time to grind, man. That is a long race, yeah. especially when you're like racing it, you know. Right. It's like walking it. So wow, yeah, I, I got to try it someday, but it's not going to happen this year. But it's a sure. beautiful, a beautiful venue too. Like when we did it this past year, we came up to the top of the mountain right as the sun was coming up, so we were able oh, to see cool. the sunrise. It was awesome. Man. Nice. It was awesome nice but yeah it's it's tough but anyway so 
you you chose New Jersey, and in 2016, I did my first ultra, and I chose New Jersey too. I, because uh-huh. back in 2016, the only ultras they had were ultras that were at mountain courses, Tahoe and Killington. Okay. And I think that was like the first year they had an ultra at New Jersey. And that's okay. why we went, because out of those three, that was supposedly you know, supposed to be one of the easiest ones. And it was, it was rough on, on me, especially because I was like you at at that time, I probably wasn't running, but like 15 miles a week, I was just, you know, (laughs) going to go in there with a good poker face and try to run a bunch of miles. Like my IT bands were like killing me the whole second lap. It was, it was, it was, it was a struggle to finish that race. And not to mention like a bunch of idiots, we drove up there and we had it in the plans to where we had to get in the car the next morning and drive back home. We were so stove up by the time we got home. <laughs> it was so stupid. <laughs> that would be rough. <laughs> That's so I, I know you said uh, Bracken is your coach, and you know he's he's yeah. on the he's on the running public, and and yeah. so how did he have? Did he change up your training? You know, like coming into this race, were you doing like a a lot of zone two, like grindy workouts and stuff like that. No, actually. So it's interesting leading up to this. I, this was a really last minute decision for me. Oh, okay. I had been, I had been training for big bear, um, which is only a super, but I, I, I was contemplating running the beast as well, but that's another story. But anyways, um, coming into this, so there, man, it, it was kind of rough. I actually backed off my running and this is why, um, four weeks before New Jersey, I started, I have a spot on my face that was basal cell skin cancer. Oh no. And so it's like precancerous cells on my face. So four weeks ago I started treating it with this cream and I didn't realize the side effects of this cream would do this to me. And it's actually kind of rare for it to happen to people, but it can. But it's um, I, I started using it, and then my energy levels just dropped. Um, three weeks into it, I got a bad cold. Um, it just kind of basically what the stuff does is it over it puts your immune system into overdrive and kind of attacks that spot. Yeah, because but then it compromises the rest of your immune system. I think my, my, they gave that cream to my sister because my sister had some spots on her chest because she lived in the tanning bed when she was younger. And uh, yeah. I want to say they gave her a cream, and it was like the cream almost had like a chemotherapy-type exactly. ingredients in it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly it. So It made so all weeks. of her hair like almost fall out. And like oh, really? the, the doctor didn't even tell her about it, and she ended up... She ended up, you know, getting just, you know, because she's an airline stewardess. And, you know, it was yeah. she was just getting depressed because every time she'd take a shower, just more of her hair would, like, fall off. And she only used it for, like, a week Jeez. or two. And, wow. you know, and so, yeah, she finally. She must have been covering a big area or something. I huh? think she was, like, because uh, it, it was, like, a prevention measure on her chest. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, she ended up, like, having to get, like, a, you know. She ended up just shaving her head and getting a wig, you know, just 
having just having to get through it until all this stuff worked its way out of her system. But yeah, the doctor wow. prescribed that to her and didn't even warn her of the side effects or nothing like that. Man, it's totally crazy what she had to go that, through. That's crazy. I didn't know that could happen. And I had the same thing. The doctor didn't tell me anything. They just like prescribed it. I start using it, and then I'm feeling sick like every day. I mean, I, I was taking naps every day and yeah. I skipped, I skipped a bunch of runs, skipped some lifting. I pulled a muscle lifting. I'm like, I lift lightweight. I shouldn't pull muscle. And so, yeah, like four weeks prior to this race, I was on that stuff and I was supposed to take it or put it on there for six weeks. But on the, at the end of the fourth week, I had one week until the New Jersey race. So I called the doctor. I'm like, Hey, you know, I've got a good scab built up here. It's done what it's supposed to do. I think, um, can I get off this stuff? Cause I have a big race next weekend and I can't feel like this when I do it. And they're like, Oh yeah, if you got a good scabbing and everything, it's probably done what it's supposed to do and you're good. So thankfully a week before I was able to get off it and feel at least pretty normal for the race. Um, but as far as my training went, we didn't change a thing really. Actually we did. I, we changed one thing. Uh, two, was it two or three, two weeks before oh, I was right in the middle of the cream I'm using on my face in two weeks before the ultra, I, uh, I did a 20 mile, my first 20 mile run up in Boulder just to test out nutrition, how I should pace myself with heart rate and stuff. Right. Um, and I took a little, um, transition period kind of fake thing just to try to practice that. And, um, so that's the only thing I did different. I would normally run like a 10 to 12 mile run on a Saturday, this is the 20 mile run. And my furthest run before that was 18. And that was actually a race in uh, Tahoe back when they had the beast and they made that one beast really long. I think that was 2018 or something, but um, yeah. So my longest run ever two weeks before the race, just to try it out. So the ultra itself, the ultra itself is two over two times longer than I normally run. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's, that's usually me too. Like if my long runs might be, are you on the weekends are usually like 10 to 15 miles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, and the way I, but the trail I usually do my long run on, it's, it's really technical and and I usually run it at like, you know, a low heart rate zone. So I'm out there, you know, maybe two, two to two plus hours. So, you know, it's, it's still good training i feel like for doing longer races where you're not just beating yourself to death yeah i agree that's what i've been doing this year too um is i'm really slowing down my long runs uh, more than i used to because uh i just have been injured so much and so i've been kind of practicing an ultra pace for my longer runs and even even my easy day runs um which was really hard for me to do in the past and i think it's a really a key thing to do if you're if uh, for all the new people out there starting out because the biggest mistake i made early on was going too hard all the time like just trying to grind everything out and i got hurt so much so i'm tired of being hurt and this year i'm like i'm gonna be coachable and and i'm going to chill out on my easy days and do this uh training you know um the 80 20 thing i guess what they call it but Right. Just try to chill out a little bit on those runs. So I, I take it pretty easy too. A ten mile run, ten to twelve mile run in Boulder, with about three thousand feet of climbing for me will be uh, around two to 
two to two and a half hours. It just depends on the day and if there's snow or anything, too. Yeah, that's a good long run. So going into the race, what was your, your you know, your pacing strategy? I mean, were you pacing to set like a certain time or were you just kind of like pacing for feel and to just go out there to just finish? Yeah, so it was completely feel. And then I was just going out there to not get hurt and to finish just because I did it to qualify for Tahoe. Right. Um, it's funny, though, because when the race started, I mean, I, I did a lead just so I could get out as early as possible. Um, had no intentions of trying to win anything in that, but just wanted to get out early. It's nice to be able to sign up for that. But so everybody kind of took off for me. I was probably second to third to last person up, up that first hill. Um, so I'm running and I feel like I'm barely doing anything. Like, and I'm at, I live at elevation and training it and we're down there at almost sea level. And so I'm just like jogging, like I'm going to chill. Cause I, I got some advice from a couple of really good ultra runners, Ryan Atkins and, uh, um, Oh gosh. <laughs> Ray Coble. Right. Um before I, and and Ryan was like, Your first two hours should seem really easy. And I'm like, that's great advice. So I went up that first hill thinking, Oh, I'm running super easy. But I looked down at my watch and I'm at one fifty five on my heart rate. I'm like, What is that? I don't feel like I'm sometimes your heart rate's off, but I wear an armband that's usually pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, That just I don't feel like I'm putting that kind of effort in. So what's I your just max heart rate? What's that? What's your max heart rate? I mean, I don't, I've never actually like scientifically figured it out, but I would say 170, low 170s, 172 okay. to three or four, somewhere in there. So one fit, so 155, that's, that would be like zone five for you then, right? That's like a, yeah, that's like a beast effort heart rate for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I just ignored that the rest of the race and went completely by feel mm-hmm. and, and I just, I just decided don't, you know, just lay back and, and take it easy. And I could have went harder that first lap, but I'm glad I didn't because I still was running at the end of the race, not uphills, but all the low, uh, slight inclines I was still running. I was still running flats and downhills, even though it was painful mm. and, I think if I would have went any harder that first lap, I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, because I I went out probably a little too fast on the first lap, and then I kind of had a little mile bonk on the first three miles of the second lap. And probably like Mm -hmm. mile five into the second lap, I was starting to get a second gear again. But, man, I don't know what it was. It just hit me bad. I, I guess it was just whatever I did in transition, ate something that didn't agree with me or ate too much or something like that. Yeah, you, you smoked that first lap. You caught me at, what, mile 14 or 15. Yeah. I know, man. I was happy to see you, dude. Like, I love yeah. seeing people on course during an ultra, man. Just nothing cheers you up and just gets your mind out of the pain cave for just a, yeah, for a sure. few seconds, you know. Yeah, that was awesome running you. And then Jeff came along too. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, man, there was a bunch there was a bunch of people out there that I knew this weekend, so it was a good time. Yeah. And uh that's and and that's the cool thing about and that's why I like running age group because there's more people in age group. I know more people in age group, but then like a lot of people that are in elite, you know, like I might catch up to some of them and be able to chat with them too, you know. So Yeah, for I, sure. 
It's yeah. always that's always cool, man. Always the best part, man. Yeah. So, uh, how did you? What was your gear planning like going into the race? Like, what was your go-to gear? And like, did it work? Did you swap any of it out at transition? Yeah. So I wanted to wear shorts because uh, compression shorts because I did. I knew we were getting wet a couple times, and I didn't want uh, like if I wore pants I, or you know the compression pants, I didn't want them to take so long to dry. Um, which actually later in the race would have felt good because it was warmed up a little bit, but, uh, I wanted to wear shorts for that reason. Um, you know, thinking back on that now, my legs got whipped up pretty good by all those vines and branches that we ran through. Yeah. So might've been better to wear the pants. I noticed you wore the pants. So I always wear Um, pants because I always wear knee sleeve on my right knee. I don't know what it is about my right knee, but it just... I had IT band syndrome real bad, and I was able to, you know, quit running with one on my left knee, but every time I take one off of my right knee, it just always feels vulnerable, so I've been gotcha. wearing it, I've been wearing a knee sleeve on it for probably six or seven years now. It, it might be like a, a mind thing at this point. <laughs> so the pants... The pants help hold it up so it's not constantly falling down, you know. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's what I picked for the, you know, that. Um, obviously, I have my Innovate um, Trailfly Ultra G300s that I found last year when I had the plantar fasciitis. Those shoes have been amazing for me. Um, they're just wide enough because I have a wide forefoot. They're right. just wide enough in the forefoot that they don't squeeze my toes together. I do rub on my pinky toes a little bit, but those shoes, I mean, they're, they got pretty thick soles on them and the traction's pretty good. Uh, you can even run on the road in them, but so for an ultra race, that's kind of what they're designed for. Those are perfect for that. Um, I put mud gear socks on. That's all I ever wear. Uh, those things don't give me blisters or anything. The only thing that happened in the race was, mile six and a half our first time through the dunk wall right um i got some sand in my shoes mm. and i was like oh it'll be fine <laughs> and uh i just kept running i ran the rest of the race with that sand in my shoes and probably got more in it the second time around um but when i got back to the hotel i had quite a bit of sand in my shoes when i took them off <laughs> or not the hotel when when we sprayed off at the, the cleaning station there but um quite a bit in there i was like that I shouldn't have been running with all that in my shoes. <laughs> and what, what it did was it made like sandpaper on my toes. And so I had some pretty good bleeding spots on my toes from it. I didn't have blisters. I just had them sanded down. Oh, wow. Um, sorry. There's a truck next door driving by. I don't know if you can hear that. It's kind of loud. But so those are my, those are my, for my feet. And I did not change those at transition. Yeah. I mean, I took long enough already. Like I, you, you were in there when I got in there, I came in and you were gone and yeah. I, I was trying to figure out what to eat and all this. And I was like, I don't know. I, I didn't do very good in the transition, but i learned a lot. So now I know more of what to do. Um, and up top, I just wore a polyester Spartan shirt. Uh, I wanted to definitely wear a shirt cause I didn't want the vest rubbing on me. So I had the Solomon vest with the, um, uh, what are they called? The bladders in the in your pockets in the front. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So those are 16 or 18 ounces, I believe. And I put tailwind in those, um, concentrated like three scoops in there. And then I would chase it with water at the water stations. Right. Um, second lap, I put my bucket hat on because of the sun. Uh, I got a white head and uh, blonde hair and I would burn pretty easy. So eight hours out there. Plus it felt great when I went through the water and got it wet. It was like air conditioning on my head. So, so that's the gear stuff. Um, one other thing I might mention with the nutrition is I didn't care for the uh, honey stinger waffles that I took because they froze. It was only in the thirties, but they like, I tried to eat one. It was like, it was like eating a piece of, it just wouldn't like a frozen piece of food. It was hard as a rock. So that didn't work, but what did work and gave me, made me feel like myself again, every time I took one was the spring energy, awesome sauce packets. Oh my gosh, dude. Those things were great. And you don't need water with them. You just, it's like applesauce and oats and cinnamon. I don't know. There's all kinds of good stuff and it tastes great. And it gave me energy every time I took one. Yeah. I like the spring energy gels. They got some good ones. I know my girlfriend, she bought like a variety bag one time and all of them were pretty good. There was one that was like a spearmint flavor and it was kind of, I wasn't crazy about (laughs) it, but but yeah. they were all pretty good. There was one that isn't had that like spearmint. Isn't isn't that spearmint one the uh, uh, electrolyte? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the electrolyte juice one or whatever. Yeah, it was put pretty, in the water. It was pretty nasty, man. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome sauce, though. You got to get that one if you haven't tried it. I'll have to check it out. So Not the proper name. What What did you have in your drop bin? Like, what was your strategy? for the trans coming into transition and your drop bin and everything. Well, I can tell you now after doing it, I brought way too much stuff. Um, I, I used my Spartan bag. I didn't want to go get a bucket or anything. I just used my black Spartan bag. Um, what did I have in there? I had stuff in there for every kind of situation you could run into with weather. I had an extra shirt, extra shorts, extra socks, extra shoes. Um, for food, I had I brought a Pepsi, which I drank half of it at the transition, and I did not like that. Made me I could instantly feel my stomach start to turn after I drank that. Right. Um, I brought uh, I brought a banana. I did eat that. Um, I brought like chips and because sometimes I just want something salty and then slam a Pepsi and I feel good. You know, right. like that's not. But it didn't work out that way. So I just didn't know. I've never done it before, and. Uh, you know, I had extra bladders to to, to slip back into my Solomon vest. So those were ready to go. I did do that part. did do that part. Right. Those were preloaded with the tailwind. Um, and then I had the spring energy and the other, um, uh, honey waffle things, whatever those things were called again, the stinger. Um, what else do I have in there? Uh, my hats. I had two different kind of hats. I have just regular running ball cap and then my bucket hat. I mean, the bag the bag was stuffed. And so that was hmm. part of my problem was where did I put everything? So it took me a while to dig through it and pull everything out. So right. I brought a, I also brought a swimming cap because <laughs> a good a, – well, a tip for everybody, I don't know. This helped me in Tahoe. When, when you put a swim cap on – you're basically sealing up all that heat in your head. So 
I used it at Tahoe for the water, but I also used it other times just to warm up. Um, because if you can keep the heat in your head mm-hmm. and that thing won't get that thing won't get wet, you, you actually start sweating when it's cold out when you're wearing that thing. Um, just to, and it's easy to pack. It's so small, right. so just kind of an easy thing to pack for cold weather. I think that's about it. Yeah. So he, it was too hot to be thinking about that on the <laughs> second loop. Yeah, that's why I said I brought more than I needed, but I was just thinking of every scenario. Yeah, man, I always, you know, and I did probably the same thing as you. I had spare socks, spare shoes, and like a little first aid kit or whatever with some mole skin on it in case I had like a big blister. So I I, I put all that in the bottom, you know, and the first thing that's on the top of the bin is like the stuff I know I'm going to use. And that's like your food and like your water or your refills, you know, like I was just using a flip belt. So I slipped one off and put another one off own that was yeah. you know ready to rock and uh and you're probably like me when i come into transition i'm never really like starving but i know i need to eat something just to get some extra yeah. calories going so i exactly I, I usually had like two honey stinger waffles and like i think this time i had like some fun size butterfingers and i went ahead and opened it all and just put it all in a ziploc bag that way you're not fooling with wrappers on each individual one yeah but I, that's a good idea i ended up just grabbing one honey stinger and one butterfinger and that was pretty much and i just downed some Enduralite, you know and i had it mixed with that liquid iv stuff they always give out and i've done this on uh-huh. like four ultras and it's never bothered me but on this one i actually i felt like i was getting a little nauseous on you know like in the first three miles and i don't yeah. know if it's Maybe because it was hot, or I, I don't know. That's the first time I've ever gotten nauseous during an ultra. It kind of scared me for a second. I was I was glad I was able to catch another gear later on. But. Yeah, I, that second lap, I had a lot of nausea events, um, and I would just, like, slow down a little bit when I would get those, and it would go away. But I, I got nauseous as well after the first lap. I, I had a really bad exit on the um, transition. I... I don't know why I didn't look at this before, but I didn't realize you go out a different direction than you came in. Oh no. So I went, I went back out the entrance and started climbing that hill. Oh and no. The girl was on her phone. So she didn't realize that I did it. The girl who's sitting at the entrance and oh. I'm like climbing the hill. I'm almost back up to the, the starting gate again. Cause I thought that's how we had to go. Right. And some lady saw me that works for Spartan and thankfully and turned me around. Otherwise who knows where I would have ended up. Oh. So she, she pointed me back down and yeah, you got to go out the other side of the transition zone. And so then I had to come down and go back out. So I wasted probably, I don't know, at least four or five minutes messing around with that. See, I noticed it the night before, you know, cause we, we, I went and looked at the drop bin area. So I knew we went out that way, but it didn't help because there was that rock ledge there and everybody <laughs> set their drop bins on that rock ledge. And I'm like, we got to yeah. go over that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that climb out of there was legit, man. You had like Ropes. steep rock wall and everything. And yeah. Yeah, and it was. That, that mountain impressed me a little bit. Uh, you guys is, uh, or you live in, uh, Georgia or? Yeah. South Georgia. South Georgia. Okay. So that's not really your area, but that you side, like the, I think I told you this in the race, the, I'm used to rocks and steep hills. I'm not used to rocks and steep hills covered up by 
branches, vines, thieves, sticks. And then, at, and then while you're trying to navigate that, you're getting slapped in the face with tree branches. I'm like, what the heck? I cannot catch anything here. Like I can't catch any speed because I just have too many things going on. Right. <laughs> and it, and like, especially that downhill right after pipe layer, we went in the woods and then you got to the bottom of the hill and it was like a swamp and you were ducking yeah. through branches and everything. Yeah. <laughs> there was a ton of eye level branches to hit you in the face and you never saw them because you were looking at your footing the whole damn time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I actually had one of the branches come across my eye while it was open. And yeah. I think I wear contact lenses. So I think it actually protected my eye from getting scratched. That's good. I wear contacts Thankfully. too. Yeah. As, maybe I'll bring safety glasses next time. <laughs> <laughs> so you saying that, you know, you're more of a West Coast uh, racer. Out of all the races yeah. that you've raced, would you say that New Jersey is more of a technical terrain race than most races you've done? Yes, I, I think so. Because even, even Tahoe and Big Bear... Um, even Canada, when I went up there, um, there just isn't all that crap. It's either grassy or it's rocky. There's a trail or something or a road you're running down. It just didn't have all that other stuff, you know? So yeah, I would say hands down more technical than the other ones over here for sure. I mean, some of the California stuff, but even that, I mean, we don't have all the leaves laying around and stuff, which, which add another level to like, you have to you have to be super brave to just bomb those downhills, not knowing what's under those leaves. Yeah. And I could have my days where I could do that, but I wasn't doing that in the ultra because I didn't want to get hurt. And, uh, I had sprained my ankle twice already there. I, I mile two and a half right after Ty- Tyrolean traverse. Yeah. Um, we were coming down one of those hills. It's all technical. And then at the end, there's like a drop off. It's only like three feet, but I jumped off that drop off and sure enough, my foot came down on a rock and, and it like sprained back and forward all the way. And I don't know how it didn't hurt me worse. It hurts right now when I bend it, it's just like the bone hurts. Um, but then when you caught up to me and you, Jeff and I were running down that hill around mile 15 or 16, whatever that was, uh, it wasn't that bad, but I just hit a piece of dirt kind of wrong and weak and turned it again. Cause it was already weakened from that first time. So I did sprain it a few times, but not bad enough to like stop running or anything. Right. You talking about when we was running under the ski lift? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't really looking up, but I just know <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching my feet. But it was it wasn't even bad. It was just dirt. It kind of tilted a little, and and so when I planted with my left foot, it just rolled over because because of the tilt. And yeah. you know, we talked about my shoes, but um, I've ran between three pairs of these shoes i ran on over 900 miles and i never sprained my ankles in these shoes but i i've had shoes where i do that before right where they're well they're roll easy you know but these haven't been like that it was just a technical course man i you know even i knew it was a technical course but i'd forgotten how technical it was because i haven't been there since 2018 and i mean yeah I was I was loving every minute of it. I love the technical stuff. It's kind of my <laughs> yeah. jam. I could tell when you when we hit that spot where you, you kind of pulled away from me when we were going down one of those areas, and I I just wasn't brave enough at that point. But you definitely were cruising down that thing. You're you're doing great. 
I don't know if it was brave or stupid, but I was doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, if you were to do this race again, you know, what, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? Yes, there are, there are several things. Um, can I think of them right now? That's the other question. Uh, one thing I would do differently is, um, I would organize my vest better for one thing. Um, that's the other thing I was struggling with was getting my vest, uh, getting stuff out of my vest in a timely manner because there's zippers in several different pockets and I was always looking for stuff. So that wasn't very efficient. Um, I probably would have wore a little less. It was cold in the morning, but not that cold. I was just prepared for the water in case that made us cold. So I wore too much. So I had to like get half undressed climbing one of the hills and put it all on my, my vest. Um, I probably actually would go to a belt because I don't think I need as much stuff as I brought. And I love running in a belt vest not so much especially when you're going under barbed wire and stuff yeah me neither um and trying to catch that so so with that i would do some definite gear changes um the shorts were fine and all that i I may consider some pants just because of all the vines i had i thought my calves were sunburned but it was actually a bunch of little like uh red spots from the vines that slapped me in my legs yeah so might wear those pants um I think I paced it pretty well. Uh, transition area, I would bring bring a lot less stuff and have stuff more organized, like you said, and would have hopefully gotten more information on how to exit that thing. Um, most definitely there. Uh, it's halfway through the race. Uh, you know, I completed all the obstacles. Oh, another thing I would have done different, those those spear throws they tied them off on the left side and i hate that yeah i don't like that either most people are right-handed so the first time i came through there i was concentrating way too much on how that was bugging me and so i actually moved over to the left and i missed left the next time i came through i just walked up and threw it and nailed it (laughs) so next time i run into a left-handed tied cord i'm not going to worry about it i'm just going to throw it it feels like it's going to get caught on your elbow but yeah it didn't so I tried to the first time I made my spear and I went to like the spears in the middle looked like they were more level and you didn't have to throw up as high as much. But on the second time coming through, all of those spears had somebody at them. So I had to go to a lower one and I just barely missed it off to the right. So, yeah, that was the only thing I failed was the spear on the second route. Same here. I passed everything else. Um, it was getting towards the end. The rig was, I, I just, I wasn't sure. Well, you caught up to me right, right at the box, right? That first lap. Yeah, I think so. I was, I was a little upset at that moment. <laughs> throwing <laughs> out some words because I could not get over the box. Right. And you're like, just move over to one that has a knot. And that was some great advice. I've never used the knot before. Right. I never had to, but that was some good advice. And so as I was coming through on that second lap, I was thinking about Olympus, the box and, um, the rig at the end. Cause I was, I was feeling pretty depleted and I thought, man, I hope I can pass those. I thought about just not even trying and doing the loops, but I'm like, no, you got to try it, you know, yeah. just do them fast and get out of there. So I concentrated on moving really fast through them and it worked. So I, I was able to pass everything, but that one spear throw, thankfully, mm-hmm. um, but I did feel the the fire jump at the end. I felt it singe the 
hairs on my legs, so <laughs> I, I must I must not have jumped very high. <laughs> you were too tired to jump at that point. <laughs> Pretty much, it, it was hot. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, nutrition wise, I probably wouldn't. I don't know. So those honey stinger wafer waffles, I feel like the the half one I did get down eventually took like some water too. Like right. I, I just didn't like them. But. Yeah, I agree. Like they they. It's a lot of calories for something small, but it it, it goes down easier with water for sure. But it's yeah, just you're gonna have to be at a water station to do that. Yeah, and when you're breathing when you're breathing hard and your heart rate's up, it's hard to just chew or eat anything, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. I remember the first ultra I did. I had like a Cliff Bar in my in my bucket, and I took like one bite out of it, and I was like, I just can't eat this right now because I just I can't chew. I can't, you know. Yeah, it's too too yeah. dense and just yeah peanut butter and jellies i can't do it I, I mean i'd have to wait there until like my heart rate come down and i'm not breathing so hard so i could actually chew and not gasp <laughs> for air at the same time you know <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yes yeah so i would i would simplify my transition um stuff that i brought i would i would i would probably just bring tailwind and the spring energy and that's it for nutrition. And then at transition, I'd do a banana, a bottle of water or two, and maybe one other thing. But you really, in an ultra, I noticed that you really, you're not going to sit there and like eat a sandwich, I don't think, if you're racing it. I mean, right. and that's what I, going into it, I was like, should I bring a sandwich or something? And you're not going to have a, <laughs> you're not going to have a freaking picnic. You're going to try to get in and out as quick as you can. Yeah. And I didn't realize that going into that. So you know, there's a lot of things I would change as far as all that goes. Um, and pacing, I would probably pick up the pace a little bit next time. Uh, and I would train for one before I do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, man, I would say like for that being your first ultra and being at such a hard venue too, man, you freaking crush that, man. I mean, cause you, what your Thank time you. was just right over eight hours, wasn't it? It was eight twenty. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, it, but I, it, I wasted some time too, and they're like transition, and and then I went out the wrong way. I probably wasted five to ten minutes that whole process. So I was trying to get eight hours. That was my goal, right? Um, but yeah, well, I appreciate it. Thanks. I, I I felt like I did pretty well for my first one, and I think the key to that was just not going too hard on that first lap. Yeah, man. I guarantee you, if you come back and did that again, you'd probably cut an hour off of that time. Easy, man. Because, like, That'd the first awesome. year I went there, I was, like, 10 hours and something. And then I took wow. a year off, went back in 2018, and I think my second time there, I was still, like, eight and a half or more than that. So even my second yeah. time there took me longer than it took you, man. So, I mean, you've got nowhere to go but up. Because I guarantee you if, you, if you did that same ultra again a year from now, you'd crush it, dude. Yeah, Absolutely. I appreciate that. Well, I think I'm going to start doing more of them. I, I kind of got the bug now. It's fun, and, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like it would be, but once you're done and you recover, you're like, all right, now I want to train for one, and which one's next, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's pretty cool. It kind of adds some excitement to the Spartan, Spartan racing for me because I was kind of getting, like, you know, training so long without racing, too, and just running a lot. Um, and I kind of bored, I guess, so it kind of added a little spark, and then, now I have the Ultra World Championship to prepare for, which I think is going to be 
super hard, but right. that's what makes it fun, right? Is doing something that you've never done before. This can be harder than what you've done in the past. So then you got something to go for. So, yeah, that's to how me, many ultras have you done? Yeah. Uh, that was my 10th one this past weekend. Wow. I've that's done awesome. three at Jersey, three at Killington, one at Spartanburg, mm-hmm. one at Fayetteville and two at Tryon. I think that's all of them. That's a lot. When did you start racing? Um, 2015. Oh, so you did an ultra your first year? Uh, I, 2016, I did my first ultra. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. But uh, yeah, man, it's been a it's been a wild ride, man. And 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 like I don't know what it is about the ultra. It's just it's just fun being out there all day. You know, you never know how the second lap's gonna go. Am I gonna go? Am I gonna bonk? And am I gonna cramp? It's just, it's just <laughs> yeah. there's 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 more wood on the fire in a in an ultra that you have to worry about. You know, and it's yeah, just the, that's what makes it exciting to me. Yeah, I see. I started my first cramp was at mile ten, and so both of my inner thighs started cramping up on every climb, and then you just kind of deal with it. You know, as long as it's not like making you lay down on the ground. But what was funny is that so with that muscle being being in that shape, the second lap, uh, I never thought about this, but the uh, the barbed wire crawl was awful because <laughs> my because you kind of have to spread your legs a little bit when you're crawling and yeah and oh I could barely get through there and I was like laying down laughing and all the the beast open people were kind of laughing at me cause I couldn't crawl. <laughs> it was like, this is the craziest thing. But I think what's so great about an ultra is it's pushing you to your absolute limit on everything and navigating that challenge is it's kind of fun. I mean, you just right. kind of see what your body can do. And then, you know, I made a post about this on my Instagram. Like I said, the reason I do this is, because when I do really hard things, it makes everything else in life seem easy. And so that's why I like to push myself like that is just to, you know, just feel it, feel how that is. And, you know, prepare me for other things that are harder in life too, so where they don't seem as bad. Yeah, I agree. And back to that barbed wire thing, my buddy, Michael, he was cramping real bad when he got there and he was having to like sit he was like having to go up and backwards and I don't know how that worked for him, but there's a picture of him and he's like sitting facing the opposite way. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. When I got down to the end for the photo, I just laid down with my hand on my head, kind of like I was posing for a picture. (laughs) I don't think she quite got it, but I was just laying there waiting for it because I couldn't, I mean, uh, so I was like trying to roll, even rolling wasn't, wasn't easy. So just, yeah, that, that's something you wouldn't think about really. That's pretty funny. So, <laughs> so what advice would you give to anyone who is thinking about doing their first ultra? Um, it's kind of like the advice that, uh, I got from the pros. Um, don't go too hard. You know, it, it should feel easy. Uh, make sure you're trained for it, you know, and practice eating and, and taking nutrition while you're running. Um, see what you can eat, what's what your stomach's going to take, all that. Go on some really long runs and test it out. Um, you know, because pacing, nutrition, transition, and obstacles are what get you through it. So the other thing is 
if you're struggling with obstacles on short races, it's going to be 10 times worse in an ultra. So make sure that before you do an ultra, you get your obstacle game up to par because you're going to be doing a lot of burpees if you don't, and that's going to cause you to not finish the race probably. And get more cramps too. <laughs> yeah. And then like mile 13, that, that huge climb we had on the extra lap or the extra loop. Right. Like, just be ready for that in the race, you know, save energy for that kind of stuff. Because I talked to a couple of people where that was the end of their race. Like, you know, don't, don't go crazy in the race. I, you know, one guy passed me early who was an age group and then he was just done at like mile 10. Mm. So I think pacing is just super important and obviously nutrition and then making sure you can pass 65 or seven obstacles, whatever it is, uh, do a lot of grip work and stuff because you, you're gonna you know even the bucket carry and the sandbag carry and all that kind of not only ruins your legs but your grip too depending on how you're holding everything so hmm. just just practice all that stuff and be ready for it cool well less we're over an hour here but i still every every time i have somebody come on i always ask them the same questions and okay. to to this day, what has been your most favorite race and why? My most favorite like day date or favorite venue or just just race in, in general, you know, and I mean it doesn't even have to be OCR. Just your favorite race experience and why? Well, I'd have to say my big bear races because um those are the that's where I've done perform the best. Um, and I think the reason for that is just, uh, the mountains slow the fast guys down. Cause I can't keep up with them on the flat areas. So I like to race mountains for that reason. But, um, you know, I would say my favorite race though, out of that big bear experience would be the one in 2019, the U S national series race where I came in second behind, um, Ireland, um, I don't think anybody expected me to finish second that day. So it was kind of nice to, you know, kind of go in and beat the expectations that everybody may have had on, on themselves or for me, um, and get a podium. I think that was my first podium in a national series race. So, so that was probably, that was probably my favorite race, but my favorite race that didn't involve me necessarily that I was in, involved ireland as well i I race ireland all the time and he i heard i've only beat him i think once and that was him he's awesome he's a stud absolute stud and i only beat him once and that was in uh the seattle race and it was just one of those muddy days and he failed too many obstacles and he still almost beat me but (laughs) anyways my favorite race though that i was involved in involved him and i was happier for him than anybody because it was in canada Day two, um, what was the name of that place we were at? I forget. But anyways. Was it Washougal? Uh, Washougal? No, that's in. Is that, it, or is that in Washington? That's Washington, yeah. Okay. Um, that's the big ski resort up there where they had the Olympics. I just, I can't remember the name. Uh, anyways, it was at the end of 2019, I think. And Ireland and I had been racing against each other the whole year. We raced day one. He finished first. I finished second. 
so we we get there day two and it's rainy and and cold here um but we get up to the starting line and we're sitting there waiting for the race to start and there's not really a lot of people there's maybe like 15 20 of us up there at the starting line and all of a sudden matt novokovich walks up lines oh, up yeah. next to us <laughs> the bear and we're like oh it was whistler canada that's right whistler was. whistler that's right whistler so he had raced the elite race the day before and i don't think he did as well as he wanted to um he didn't podium or anything but i think he was like top five or seven but anyways he shows up in the age group race the next day we're like looking at each other ireland and i like what the heck is he doing here <laughs> but it was kind of awkward actually because we didn't you know we know him but he doesn't know us so we're just like saying hi and whatever and uh, getting ready to race and i just saw this look come over ireland's face like like he had a mission you know what i mean right and so we take off and i'm trying to keep up with these two guys but it's not happening and they're they're kind of pulling slowly away from me and i'm like i'm just gonna let them go Hmm. and just race my race but anyways long story short we get to the end of the race and he beat matt novokovich on that mountain and i thought it was really cool because of who Matt is and how awesome and great he is and yeah. the accomplishments that he has, you know? And I thought it was a really cool thing for Ireland to, um, to go ahead, you know, and, and take the victory over him. And, you know, just what an accomplishment. He could say that forever that he beat the bear, you know? So <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> pretty that cool. Was... I actually brought him on and we did a little small interview on that race too, that he did. He was pretty, he's pretty proud of that, you know? Oh so, yeah. I don't okay, blame yeah. him. I don't blame him. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. It's a pretty neat accomplishment, yeah. but I, I thought of another race is probably my favorite race of all time. I actually, um, would be the, um, Las Vegas race where I got my first podium. Oh yeah. I mean, first podium is always pretty cool. And the way it happened was pretty cool. I'll just do it real quick and, and then we can move on. But, uh, I start off the race saying, I'm, I'm just going to run easy today. Just, yeah. you know, cruise through this race. So I did that, ended up catching fourth and fifth place and then racing them for a little while. And then Jason Hacker was in third and he failed the spear. So he's doing burpees and we passed him at that point. So then Josh Tomshek and I are racing hard at this point. There's only like a mile left in the race, tire flip you know, rig, all that coming up. Right. And then, so we're like right next to each other, basically redlining at this point, running as fast as we can through the obstacle or, and through the obstacles. We get to the very last obstacle before the fire jump and it's the A-frame. We arrive at the bottom at the exact same time and we both climb to the top and I got there just a hair before him, but we were both at the top at the exact same time. I jump over and I literally fall all the way to the bottom (laughs) land on on my back and i look up and he's still just barely getting over the top that's the best way to do it (laughs) so i jump up and run across the finish line not having any idea that i was in third place i didn't know this when it happened i was just racing him right and uh i crossed the finish line and and uh in front of him and i was all happy and then he comes up he goes i think you got third place and i was kind of like really because I've never podiumed a race before. And so your first podium is always a really exciting thing. And so that was probably my favorite race of all time. That's awesome, the way man. It, I bet that would have been cool it, to have on video. Yeah, <laughs> it would have been really neat. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so I want the reverse of that question now. What is the <laughs> race that you hated the most and why or disliked the most or, you know? Well, it would be the... 
the 2019 Tahoe, I think it was 2019 World Championship. Because I did bad no, I bad snowstorm, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I was so prepared for that race, um, and I had had a really good year that year, except for the ankle sprain, which I finally healed from. But I, I kind of thought this was my my opportunity to get on the podium in a world championship this race but we had that cold weather that snow and everything and to make a long story short i i burn hot like in the winter i sleep with my window open when it's 30 degrees outside like because i get too sweaty if in my covers and stuff i don't have cold air coming in so we're climbing the mountain and i i dress for like i don't know i put way too much on and i had these rubber gloves on and like neoprene Right. I'm like I won't, I won't get cold and all this stuff. But what happened is you climb that hill first, right? And that's like a lot of work. So about halfway up, I'm doing the monkey bars, and I have literally water coming out of my gloves from my sweat. Mm. And so basically, I got up to the spear throw, and I was just drenched in sweat. So I started taking stuff off, which was really stupid because then. The Once you got cold. throw the spear, you get up on top of that hill, the wind's blowing 30, 40 miles an hour, and it just froze me. So I kept going. I got through Olympus, got to the ape hangar. I fell off into mm. that cold water, which was ice that morning. And then I had to roll under the penalty loop wire rope thing they did in the snow. And uh came out of that, and I was, like, numb everywhere. Was starting to shiver so i'm like god i couldn't get my gloves back on because my dexterity was gone mm. so i'm running down running down the mountain to try to get to the double sandbag carry with my hands in my pants and didn't take long enough because my hands were still frozen when i got there through that through that uh sandbag carry a bunch of people caught me and i could barely get through it and i was starting to get loopy and seeing stars and all this stuff so anyways um just shortly down after that's the swim they wouldn't even let me do that. They put me in the building up there because I had hypothermia oh, wow. and they took, took me off the course. Um, so that's my least favorite race because I had high expectations <laughs> and I DNF'd it and DNFing. That was my, well, that was my second DNF. My first one was when I blew my ankle up in Colorado Springs, but um, that was a tough one to swallow. So, yeah, but at least they pulled you off the course, man. You didn't decide yeah. to DNF. They DNF'd you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, you tough <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, Josh Tomshek, he's my buddy. He's a good friend of mine. He um, he's he was walking next to me. He's like, dude, you you shouldn't. You know, he's like telling me I didn't look good, and I was like swerving all over the place when I was walking. And so it was kind of a combination thing between him and the one of the Spartan trucks that drove by. So yeah, man. yeah, it was pretty bad. Never had that before. Like. This weekend, you know, we started off in the 30s. I was wearing a sleeveless shirt, and I was fine. I knew we'd warm up. I can handle uh-huh. that. That yeah, crap yeah. that y'all do out there in Tahoe, man, I don't think <laughs> I can do that. I don't think I would have probably – I probably would have quit that race. After I got wet like you did, I would be like, this is stupid. I'm done. Yeah. It, <laughs> Somebody bring I me some know. hot chocolate. Yeah, really, huh? <laughs> totally and i was i was only like five six miles into the race that's the you know it wasn't that far in but i know my buddy you know, bruce was there he said it was freezing cold there he and he's from florida too so did he finish 
I think he did finish. Yeah. But, See, uh, that's what got me. I'm like a Colorado guy. I run the mountains all the time and in the snow. And all these guys from warm states finished. And it was like, man, I talk about a blow to the ego. <laughs> I know, and, and see that race is at elevation too, man. See, I've never done a race at elevation. Like the furthest out west I've been is uh, I've done the Dallas Beast in 2015, yeah. but besides West Virginia, like I I haven't gone out west much. And that's a question I wanted to ask you, since you've done most of the central and western races. Like yeah. to you, like for all of us people that live on the east coast and we're going to splurge and go to a race further west, what would you say would be the best one to go to? Oh, boy. Um, Seattle's pretty cool. If you like mud. <laughs> we got plenty um, of that here in South Georgia. Yeah, you guys are kind of used to mud. Like, <laughs> Are you talking about a different experience or just like the best course on this side of the country? Because just... I'm, I'm kind of biased. I love Big Bear, but everybody hates it. Cause I just like it cause I do well there, but I'm just saying like a, probably like a different race experience from like something you would see over here on the East coast. Yeah. Um, you know, what's a cool course is Washougal, the one outside of Portland. Right. It's usually a sprint though, which is the kind of the part that yeah. I wish they had longer races there, but that's a really nice course. Um, I know cause I, the top three that interest me the most, is the Montana one, the Utah one? I was one, just gonna say, I was just gonna say Montana. Yeah. So, out of those three, which ones do you think would be kind of like the best racecation venue? Since you you've done all those, uh, definitely Montana. Really? Yep, that's the best one. Um, Big Bear is just too steep for most people. It is nothing but climbing and descending steep hills, and it's sad elevation. So, it probably wouldn't be very fun for most people. Um, Utah isn't as bad. It's more of a gradual climb, but the descents are pretty gnarly. Um, it's a for for vacation the race. I would say in order would be Montana, then Utah, then Big Bear. Right. Big Bear is just a Big Bear is just a grinder. It's kind of like the Killington of the West, I think. Right. Um, so if you like a grindy race, that's the one you want. If you want something that's just fun to run, Montana is the best. Hmm, cool. Okay, Les, last question. It's it's race weekend. What is your race ritual? Do you have like a certain thing that you eat on Friday night? You know, what are you doing the morning before the race? And if you're racing on Sunday, do you do anything after the race Saturday to prepare for that? Tell us your secrets, man. We want to know. <laughs> well, my my meals of choice are usually like... Hot wings and Mexican? <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, actually, Mexican food is after the races are over. Like, Hell almost yeah. Every, time. every, like, except for out there in New Jersey, I couldn't find a good one. But anyways, that's another story. So two days before the race, I like to eat spaghetti or something, I'll, you know, carb up. Um, because my son's football coach, who was a pro, said most, um, you know, if you eat carbs, the the night before a race usually most of them aren't available to you for the race or, or for a football game uh so i started eating my carbs two days before a race and then friday the, the friday before i'll hit a burger usually at lunch and then pizza or something at night just a little bit and salad um 
this morning I'm having cereal with a banana and uh, I'll take tailwind right before the race. Um, and then after the race, so I just start eating whatever I can. Usually I don't feel like eating for about three or four hours after a race, uh, but I'll definitely hit the banana and the Fit Aid. Little sponsor plug there. Um, could it, everybody drink some, but that's obviously at the finish line. But right. you know, just start eating and drinking and hydrating right after the race. Uh, I don't really do much different for Sunday races. I just right. I, I like Sunday races because I'm usually more relaxed and the nerves are gone because you just race, so you're like, who cares what happens Sunday? And you just want to get up and hit it again. And usually I recover pretty well for Sundays, so just eating another big meal of some sort in the evening that tastes good doesn't really even matter what it is but definitely after sunday's race i'm hitting mexican food and it's usually fajitas chips and salsa and a pepsi hell yeah i don't know about drinking <laughs> i mean I, can't, I don't know what it is about mexican food but like i don't like eating i don't like drinking the soda with the salsa and chips to me that just doesn't it just doesn't go well you've got one thing that's acidic with something else that's acidic oh yeah Man, yeah. we ate at a Mexican restaurant that was in Rockaway, New Jersey, because we stayed in a hotel. It was like 35 minutes away. And uh-huh. the, the food was not that great of Mexican food, but the salsa was awesome. But <laughs> the only thing about the salsa was, is it was the hottest table salsa I've ever <laughs> ate at a Mexican restaurant. And I like my salsa hot. But this was like, you ate about four or five chips, you know, with like a tablespoon of salsa on it. You're like... Damn, I need to wait wow. until she brings some water, you know? <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe that they were serving yeah. table salsa that hot. I'm sure they probably had like a mild salsa that a lot of the locals yeah. probably requested because it was pretty hot, but it was so good, though. It had an awesome flavor to it. Yeah, because if you got a table full of people, not everybody's going to like hot for sure, yeah. you know? But yeah, it was weird after the Ultra. Um, I did eat that Mexican food that night. Um, and speaking of the salsa i took three chips salsa and salsa was good it tasted great but like the roof of my mouth started to hurt and burn and then i got like a sore instantly under my tongue and i was like what the heck i had to stop eating it and the next morning eggs with some ketchup on them uh the ketchup did the same thing and i'm like what in the world so it had something to do with the ultra race either nutrition i was taking that did something to my mouth or that type of breathing for eight hours or i don't know it was weird but it took about 24 hours for it to go away oh man that sucks that the ultra messed up your mexican food (laughs) i know totally (laughs) just ruined my night (laughs) well hey les man i'm out of i'm out of questions man is there anything you want to add to this or tell people where they can follow you or if they live in colorado and need their grass cut (laughs) yeah well if they need their grass cut they live in our area it's happyroots.com get a bit on there um my instagram's at les cowan same thing on facebook uh but yeah i mean thanks for having me on uh i was surprised that you wanted to interview me but i appreciate it and it's been fun man hell man i I love talking to people that do ultras man and i love getting people after they've done their first ultra man because they've just got new eyes on something that a lot of people have been doing for a long time man and you you shed light to the people that have been doing it a while and you shed light to the people that are wanting to do their first one too man and i appreciate you taking the time to do it les yeah no problem man i i uh i appreciate you and um you know i just want to tell you too I, i didn't know you too too well you know 
before this, we've talked a few times, but I just can tell you're a super good guy who um, gives a lot to people out on the course and you're really positive with people. And then just taking the time to do this podcast really adds a lot to the sport. So, and especially for age groupers and stuff who don't really get a chance to talk about this stuff. So appreciate what you're doing. And I think you're a heck of a guy. So thank you. Hell man. I appreciate that last man. That means a lot. Awesome. It's going to make me cry a little bit. <laughs> well hey man okay. one of these times at the races man me and you need to go and get some mexican after the race dude let's do it let's do it next time i come out there or, or when you come out you need to come out this way too so we'll do it twice i know i'm planning on doing it next year brother <laughs> all right my man hope you enjoyed the interview i want to thank les again for taking time to talk to us i want to thank all the listeners that came up to me and talked to me this past weekend and told me they're listening to the show and they're enjoying it it means a lot. I also want to just thank all the friends that were out there that I talked to during the race. It means a lot. The smiles, you know, the talking shit. It's just, man, it's just so great, man. It's it's what's awesome about doing the ultras, really. It's just, you know, just the community, man. This this The OCR community, to me, is just the best. And I... When I come home from a race, it's like I start getting this sadness to me because I know I'm not going to see all these people again into the next race. And I've got to go that race routine that you've been in for the whole weekend. It's like now you have to set that routine to the side and you have to get ready to go back to your home life routine where you're going back to work and doing the daily grind again, you know, and and that's all part of just looking forward to the next race, you know. But anyway, my next race will be Fayetteville. I'm signed up to do the Ultra, so I'm like super in recovery mode from racing New Jersey this past weekend. Hopefully I'll be recovered where I can have a good race. I'm signed up to do the Trifecta, but I'll decide how that goes after running the Ultra, of course. Um, I know it's uh, about 9 or 10 days out. But it's looking like it's going to be cloudy with 5 mile per hour winds and low of 67, high of 87. So it might be a hot one. Hopefully it'll be kind of like it was last year. I know it was a little hotter than that last year, but it was cloudy for most of the time before 12 o'clock. And that helped tremendously. So for all of you people out there that are planning on doing the Ultra at Fayetteville, here's some tips. Me and Brian talked about this a little bit too. At every aid station, water station, take a cup of water and throw it over your head just to cool you down. Drink a cup or two and douse yourself with a cup or two. Just stay cool. In transition, the night before, go ahead and freeze you about two good water bottles of water. One to drink so you've just got some good cold water. Because believe me, you're going to be drinking hot water for a lot of that race. So that cold water is going to be freaking refreshing at transition. And then you'll have another bottle of ice water to just dump on your head. And that felt so awesome last year at Fayetteville when I did that. I was like, that was such a great idea. And that's what I'm definitely going to take to every hot race that I do like that. Um, that's all I got, y'all. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I would say... I'll see you at the next race, but I've got another episode planned next week before Fayetteville. 
But if you don't listen to that episode, I guess I'll see you at Fayetteville. Peace. Thank <music> you.